so we are in week three of this Light Shine Bright series, leaning into and pressing into this idea that Jesus flipped on, on, this, on, on its script. He came to us as our rescue, the light of the world. And then in his first message to his followers at the Sermon on the Mount, um, he says, you are the light of the world. He first came and said, I am the light of the world. And then in his presentation, the Sermon on the Mount, he flips it and says, it's you. And so you are the filament. You are the thread that I'm going to light up to burn bright, which will be used to light up your homes, your neighborhood, your cities, and the whole world. And so if you can, please stand with me as we read our, our key scripture for today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 9, and uh, I'll read it for us this morning. Verse 19, you can follow along on the screen. It says, Now even though I am free from obligations to others, I joyfully make myself a servant to who? To all in order to win as many converts as possible. And then let's skip down to verse 22. It says, I have adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so that I could more easily win people to Christ. I've done all of this so that I would become God's partner for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. God, we thank you that you are the light of the world. God, we just... We're, we're excited to be in your house this morning and to hear from you. So speak to us, Lord, this morning, um, directly to our spirit, man. Your mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. All right. Thank you. So my family moved to um, Pierce, South Dakota in the fall of 1992, my sophomore year in high school. And um, I'm going to get to talk about Pastor Deanna this morning because she is in Denver. And so, uh, you know, I have full reign, freedom. And uh, the thing is, I know some of you are going to be texting her during the message. So. <laughs> so shortly upon arriving, I was blown away by this young lady. I've got some pictures here this morning that you can see. And um, so that was Deanna in high school um, that I first met in passing. She invited me to go to their youth group thing that they did before school, and I was immediately smitten um, from day one, moment one, with Miss Deanna Michelle Prue was her maiden name. And she told me um, to meet me there at uh, this church where they gathered um, after turning the first corner from the last street before you get to the school. And so I thought it was pretty clear, pretty easy directions. Um, I get up early that next morning, excited to see my beautiful new friend. I come around the corner, I go to the first church that I see as I'm going around the corner, and I go to, without knowing it, I go inside the Mormon church, <laughs> and I guess she meant the first Christian church, but um, <laughs> I went inside, I went inside, and I, I sat down, and the funny thing is, they had a group that was meeting before school as well, and so I sat down thinking nothing was the matter, and, and I sat down, and they, they grabbed their um, their their the Book of Mormon, and they started digging in, and, and uh, I asked uh, if Deanna was there, and they, 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 I don't know if they heard me wrong or what, but they said, oh, no, she's not coming this morning, and, you know, <laughs> and so, so what happened then is I, I kind of awkwardly sat through that, that morning session this mor that morning, and I went to uh, breakfast at the, at the school like, uh, like we did, and um, um, what was tradition for me and for many students um, at this particular school, and I have no idea why they did this, but they made fresh baked chocolate chip cookies every day, and so that was my breakfast, you know? <laughs> that was what I did. And so I went to my normal routine to go get my fresh baked uh, chocolate chip cookies, and as I was walking in, I saw Deanna, and we both did this. Where were you? We pointed at each other, and I figured out that I had gone to the wrong church. I just needed to go one building further. And um, that was the beginning of our relationship. Eventually, I started um, going to Deanna's youth group events, and our friendship started growing. Um, one time, she even invited me to a movie, um, which I thought was our first date. She later told me that it was not. We were just hanging out with friends. <laughs> we were going to the movies. <laughs> we were just going out. And it, but eventually... I decided, you know, that I wanted to call her mine and to go steady or to date or to court, whatever language that you want to use and so whatever you want to call it. And so I decided through careful planning that I was going to attempt to tell her, you know, that I loved her, that I cared for her. And um, so uh, it was in January of 93 
And, um, and so I, I, I found out, I, I learned about her, and I found out that she was in this second-year Spanish class. And, you know, second-year Spanish class sounded really advanced to me because I was in, like, zero-year any kind of language class. <laughs> and so, and so um, what I did was, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, she's this intelligent, you know, bright um, and, and, and I want to impress her, so I'm going to learn how to say, I love you in Spanish. And so I got a Spanish dictionary, and I looked up the words I, and I looked up the words love, and I looked up the words you. Now, how many of you um, know how to say I love you in Spanish? Anybody in the room this morning? Okay. How do you say it? Anybody? Te amo. Te amo. Yeah. Te amo. And so te amo is, is the phrase, I love you all together. And so the problem is, I didn't know enough about language and how everything works. I just looked up the three words, and the three words by themselves are yo amo too. But it's like, if you say, if you say that, it's like saying in the linguist, English language, I love, period, you, you know, and you start another sentence. And so when I did this, <laughs> when I did this, I was in a hip-hop group at the time, and I don't know if she thought I was rapping, yo, I'm a, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but she laughed, and I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was being pretty clever, but I, I was just confusing her. And uh, she didn't realize what I was doing, and it was, it was kind of this awkward moment. But anyways, now we're married. We made it through that awkward moment. She laughed. She had a good laugh at it. And we have a baby or two. We have seven, actually. And on, so January 11th, which was two Saturdays ago, marked 27 years since that day that I said, yo, I'm O2. <laughs> and so I tell you that story because many of us in the room know that feeling, that, that awkward, oh, I don't know how this is going to go, man. I'm just going to pa- you know, pass through and I'm going to go for it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just do one more lap around the block before I have to say anything, and then I'll go and I'll ask her out, or I'll, I'll, you know, I'll approach the guy. And so you know, what we're talking about today, when we talk about living a winsome life and we talk about the idea that we are God's plan A to, to, to reach the city and the world, for most of us, we're all familiar with what it feels like to know, that a fe- to know that feeling and accept that and acknowledge that and to just keep going. You know, I don't know how this is going to go. If I'm going to be a light to the world, this could be awkward. You know, what if, I, what if I talk to this person at work and it's awkward and then it kind of ruins the whole relationship, right? And I'm even the work relationship, so I'm just not going to say anything. I'm, I'm just going to do another lap for another year, <laughs> you know, without ever leveraging this relationship for maybe something that matters. And, and so what I've, what I've learned in that moment with my future wife at that time is this. If you believe that pot- the potential of the reward is worth it, you will endure the risk, <laughs> right? And so you will re- endure any risk if you believe that the reward is worth it. And I want to call all of us up today to the greatest reward that there ever has been, which is heaven multiplying, which is, you know, heaven's becoming more populated because of the lives that we live on planet Earth. And I want us to be inspired today by a guy named Apostle Paul. And uh, we don't give this guy enough credit sometimes. We're going we're gonna to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to take a risk because this is destiny, and I think we're safe to do this with this crowd, to just dig into the scripture and, and go all in on a little Bible study this morning. You can see I've got a lot of scripture on your, on your bulletins this morning. Uh, anybody up for that this morning? So, okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to start with uh, verse 1. All of the scripture will be up on the screen as well. This is Paul writing, and he says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Now, let me just set the backstory here, just a little bit of where um, chapters one through eight have been, okay? So we, so we know what's coming up to this point. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and conflict has risen up in the church in Corinth. And so it's been based on who are our leaders, and are they, you know, actual, tested, tried, and true leaders in the church? So some people were saying, I follow Cephas, and some people were saying, I follow Paulus, and some people were saying, I follow Paul. And all this conflict has risen up, and, you know, and they're asking the question, who are we actually supposed to follow? And how do we know who's legit? And so Paul is writing this chapter as a defense of his position to the church, saying, I am an apostle, not by my own choosing, but because Jesus Christ has put this, he's placed this on my life. So this is kind of the heart behind um, what Paul is writing as we're reading this, okay? So he says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen with my own eyes Jesus our Lord? 
Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least to you I am, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So some people are saying, you know, you're not one of the 12, so you're not one of the apostles. That's kind of the the thing that's going on here. Verse 3, this is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? So what, what's happening here is, is Paul is explaining that he is a true apostle and with true apostleship comes these certain rights. And so that all the other apostles are taking advantage of. And Paul is saying, I have every single right to have everything that they have because I too am a disciple. So that's what he's saying here. And he says, or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? <laughs> you see what he's saying? The root, of the, the root of this right is that the funding of his ministry would come from the church in Corinth. So Paul is saying here, hey, all of the other apostles, their funding and how they're doing and, and what they're doing, it's being funded by the church. But now, because there's this conflict of, around whether I'm a true apostle or not, um, and you're saying, should he receive the funds from the church? That's the questions they're asking. Paul is defending his position, and he's saying, I, I have every single right to that. Now, verse 7, let's continue reading. It says, who serves as a soldier as his, at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk. Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you should not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should have plow in our hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. Again, this is all defense. He said, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? So you kind of get the feeling of what uh, Paul is rising up and saying here. But then listen to this. He says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So here's, here's what Paul is saying in, in his ministry, which has been amazing. It's the, been the proclamation of the gospel from day one. He's planting churches all over the known world. And he's saying, hey, guys, I have every single right to these things that we're arguing about here, to be the one, you know, who is funding my mission here. But I, but I never want to exercise that right. Why? Why? Because I'm going to lay down my right to be right so that I can be a light, is the language that he's using here. And so there's conflict about whether or not I'm apostle. And if there's conflict around that, I'm not going to take a penny from the church. I'm not going to take any money, even though I could because I'm an apostle. I'm going to lay that down, and I'm actually going to work as a tent maker. I'm going to get my hands all calloused up. I'm going to you know, put my back into this thing. My back's going to be a little bruised up too. Why? Because if me taking money from the church is going to cause conflict in the church and confusion in the church, and if it's going to sidetrack my mission on planet Earth, which is the people of Corinth coming to life in Jesus, then I'm never going to take a dime even though I'm entitled to it. Even though if I, des- if I deserve it, that's kind of the, la- the language he's using, I have every right to it, I'm going to never take a dime. So this is Paul's heart. This is Paul's heart. Pretty amazing, isn't it? And, and this is what he says. We continue reading. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the, in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Verse 15, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. So he's going, hey, this isn't a guilt trip, guys. That's not what this is about. Verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. So, 
We see that in our context. We see that in our context right now, in the world that we live in. Everybody knows what rights we have, right? Everybody feels like, you know, we we have our our. I have the right to do this. I deserve this. I've earned this. And Paul is saying, hey, on a way bigger level, I have the right to do all of this. I deserve all of this, but I will not take advantage of all of that if it costs me what I want most, which is the city, which is the city coming to life in Jesus. And so I'll lay everything down, even if it means I've got to work 10 times as hard. I'm going to lay it all down, even if it means I've got to be up all night, preaching the gospel, working all day, preaching the gospel at night, and then up early the next morning, making tents so I can make money so I can preach the gospel. If that's what I need to do, if that's the way I have to do it to keep the message, to keep the main thing the main thing, then here we go. His life was so clear and his mission was so evident. And he wasn't willing to let anything sidetrack him from what God had called him to do. Now, these verses, many of you will be familiar with, but I want you to see them maybe in a new light now, um, knowing the backstory of this chapter. So I'm going to read it. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. And then he makes it clear, even though I myself am not under the law anymore, I'm not. I have experienced the grace of Jesus, so I'm not under the old covenant law. I'm under grace now. But I, but, but I became as though I were under that so that I could win those that were still living under that. To those outside of the law, I became as outside of the law not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So what a clear picture of a laser-focused life on the mission of Jesus that, that has given us our, for our time on the planet Earth. You know, what, what a sacrificial life. How, you know how easy it would have been for Paul to just roll on up out of there? <laughs> you know, there's all this discussion, well, you're not a true apostle. He could have just left. You know, I have every right to do this. I'm not making you do anything that's not right. I'm not doing anything that's crazy. I have every right to do this. But I'm going to onboard all the extra that it requires for me to reach you because me reaching you is more important to me than you honoring my rights. What a man. What a laser-focused Life. I, I want to read to you how Eugene Peterson paraphrased these last few verses in the message. And then we'll jump down, and I have a few talking points to pull out. So just listen carefully. Listen afresh. This is from the message paraphrase. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious Non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, and that's important. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I love this. It says, I've become just about every sort of sermon there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. The message is what? The gospel of Jesus. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. You see that? So I, I wonder, at Destiny Four Square Church, Rapid City this morning, if there is anybody that would say, down at the root of my heart, that that's what I want to be about. That's what I want to be about. I don't want to just be familiar with the message, but I want to be in on it. And so if we sign up and we get in the game for that kind of life, I think that's, 
that's where it is, where we'll see our city, our neighborhoods, our office, our, our campuses come, come to change. And so a few talking points to consider after reading through these verses um, at the bottom of your, the backside of your bulletins this morning. Number one, we have to infiltrate culture before we can influence culture. In other words, you have to be in the culture before you can shape the culture. Why? It's simple, because you, you can't steer a ship if you're not willing to get on board. <laughs> right? And so what does that practically look like for a believer? Well, for Paul, what it looked like is I'm a slave to no one. Right? That's the language you use. I'm a slave to no one, but I'm going to be a servant to everyone. I'm not a slave but I'm a servant to everyone. And when I'm around the Jews and there's all this controversy of should I eat this or should I not, um, that even though I can eat whatever I want, <laughs> I can eat however I want when I'm in their presence as long as it doesn't violate my convictions in Christ, I'm going to live the way that they live so that I can be in their world with the plan and purpose of ultimately leading them and winning them over for the gospel. I'll get right in the mix with them to those under the law. He says, I become like one under the law. See, our adaptability leads to credibility with people. And so like Paul, you have to, if you're trying to win people over for the gospel, you've got to know something about them, right? You've got to know something. You can't win people over the gospel by saying some scripted words that you know how to say with every interaction that you come across. Um, you have to know them, to befriend them, to love them, right? Like, like I did with Deanna. You know, there was, there was, before I ever asked her out, I was trying to find out, you know, who she was, what she was into. Then I found out so that she was a second year Spanish student. And then I thought to myself, there's no way that anyone as smart and as beautiful like her in a second year you know, language class is ever going to date someone like me who's not even had one language class. And so then I uttered out, yo, I'm o two, and the Lord is gracious, and here we are. <laughs> but I, here's the thing. I, I knew more than that. I knew that she loved to dance and sing out melodies to songs, and that she was a starter on the varsity basketball team. I knew that she liked fruit candy, and I knew she liked hanging out with her friends from youth group. And so when I came to talk with her, I had all of this going on in my mind, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, as I'm coming up and I'm ready to have this conversation, okay, Sean, you know, keep your feeling in checks, boy. I know that you know all that, but maybe don't say you know all that because that's a little weird. Um, and so I uttered, yo, amo too. And, and Deanna had a good laugh. So I stumbled a little bit, but it worked itself out, right? Because I knew about her. I knew, uh, you know, what she liked. I knew what she cared about. I knew what she was into. And I was more than willing to do the background work of being interested in the things that she was interested in. Why? So that when we passed in the hallway, so, so that when we, when we had a chance to rub shoulders, we could maybe strike up a conversation. She starts talking about her Uncle Danny, you know, who I hear threatens to beat up boys that might be interested in dating, you know, any of her nieces, uh, you know, his nieces. But, I, you know, I don't care to be beaten up, but um, I do care about Deanna. So I make the effort to go over and meet this Uncle Danny, right? So I begin to care about Uncle Danny. Why? Because then we might have more opportunity for conversation and relationship in this whole thing, in this conversation. So I'm, I'm giving both dating advice and being a light in the world advice this morning. <laughs> but you are, are you seeing the correlation? The, the more conversation that we have with someone in darkness, the further down the road that we can get. And if we can get down the road, I believe you'll be able to lead someone down the path to light. And so we have to infiltrate culture if you want to influence it. We cannot sit at an arm's length away and just yell from the distance and, you know, say, well, the light's over here, right? The light's over here. Come and get it. No, you have to get in the mix with people if you want to influence people. So I want to ask you the question, what does that look like in your life right now? What are some practical ways that you're doing that right now? Getting in the trenches with people, caring about what other people care about, even though maybe at your root you don't care about it. This is what Paul did. He's saying we have to infiltrate before we can influence. Number two, the gospel is not only meant to be experienced, 
but it's meant to be participated in, right? So you and I are meant to experience the gospel, yes, but once we have experienced the gospel to participate in the work of it, the work of the gospel. Yes, a rescue boat came from heaven, came your way, and you got in it, but the reality is we all have to come to understand today is that the rescue boat isn't just a two-seat boat. And it came to us, and it should go back out, and we should have more people coming back with us that should be joining. We should be joining in the work, and we should be joining in the mission of seeing people come to faith on the planet Earth. And in our city and in our neighborhood, we aren't called to just come here and have an experience and be done. That's not enough. Come in, yes. Have an experience with the living God. Be filled up, yes. Gather with the assembly of the saints, yes, whenever you can. But also be equipped to be sent, to exit, to scatter. So that when we get back together again, there will be more people joining with us <laughs> at the gathering. Right? This is the life. This is the vision that we're all called to get in by being followers of Jesus, to get off the sidelines and get in the game. So now I haven't coached a sports team, but I have coached a lot of students in drama over the years. And in drama, you've kind of you kind of get to the point where you kind of lose yourself a little bit and you, and you find yourself in your character, right? You, you kind of, you, you, you find yourself, um, you know, rehearsing the lines. How do you do that? You rehearse the lines over and over, you know, you, you, until they become natural. You practice the voice, you practice the inflections, the walk, the emotions, you know, <laughs> and you do it over and over and over again in front of the mirror and, um, you know, at all the practices because on Friday night, the big performance is coming and they get to get out on the stage then and and do their thing. They can sing their song, um, make people laugh, make people cry, the whole bit. And I'm afraid that if we're not careful, we'll just practice until we get to heaven. Come on, somebody. When we're here, when we're here, we're going to sing some songs and we're here to be filled up and we're here to be lit up. But if all we do is practice our lines in the safety of this room, or maybe there's a better analogy for some of you. If, if all you're doing is putting in time on the basketball court, practicing your dribbling and your shots and the plays, but you never get into the game, then we're missing the opportunity that Jesus has given us while on this planet. And I want to be a part. I want to be a part of a church that gets it. Yes, we gather. Yes, there's incredible power in this, what we're doing right now. But also, who understands my greatest opportunity may be on a Thursday morning when I'm sitting around at a meeting in a boardroom where nobody else from Destiny is going to be. That is the kind of church that we're called to be. So we come here to be filled up so that we can be sent out. It's the idea of being filled up so we can be spilled out, right? And so I grew up in church, but it was a youth conference somewhere in the eighth or ninth grade, you know, where I was old enough to kind of understand and grab it, grab a hold of, of let God grab a hold of my heart personally in a huge way. And so when I did, it was like a firework going off in my life. And I had, I, I just previously, some of you know this part of, of my story, I just previously had a short suspension from a Christian school that I was a part of at the time, yes, that is your pastor, for some poor behavior. But everything I wanted to do after that had a different motivation. Everything I wanted my life to be about, you know, seemed to be different. So I, I went on my first missions trip then. And God engaged with my heart then. I went to Central America. I was in Guatemala. And it changed my life so much that at a young age, I knew that I was called into full-time ministry. And in my, my second year of Bible college, God steered me towards youth ministry, which I was in for a couple decades. And I shone the light as best as I could to the next generation for that, for that time, for 18 years. Now, so listen, I don't want to be the guy. And I know for those of you in the room that have said yes to Jesus, you don't want to be the person who just secretly knows the answer, who secretly kind of holds on to your light, this little light of mine. Secretly holding the light that you have found and is around people all day, every day that are trapped in darkness. I want to be a person who has a mindset of, man, I am living on mission. I'm living on a mission, and yes, I have been saved and set free and redeemed by the grace of Jesus, but I also believe that the same grace that set me free is going to set you free. 
So you may not want to hear about it yet, but I'm going to be in your story, man. And when you are ready, when you are ready, when your life hits the wall, I'm going to be right there. And when that happens, I'm going to be able to tell you how I got through the darkness because I've been there too. I've been in the darkness. Not for the sake of just telling you how I got through, but because I believe how I got through is maybe how you're going to get through. And it's the most important thing in life to me. So I want you to know about it because you're important to me too. And I wonder for us, I'm, I'm talking to myself this morning. I want to I ask the hard questions. I wonder for us, how many people in our neighborhoods have a clue what we're doing this morning? Like, how many houses did we have to drive down and drive past with cars in the driveway today? And they have no idea where we're leaving to go. And I'm saying this with as much grace as I can. But here's the reality. If they're going to know, we're going to be the ones to tell them. Not me. It's not, it's not the, the paid you know, Christian professional. It's not the 10 people that are on staff. <laughs> it's all of us. This is us. This is the picture of the church, who, the people who are alive and who are coming alive in Jesus and are going to be the ones who see this city change, but we're going to have to step into it. And is it risky? Of course it is. Yes, it is. It's risky. Could it be awkward? Yes, it definitely could be. <laughs> Yo, amo too. <laughs> But I believe the reward is worth it. So let's endure the risk. The tendency for us, we've talked about this before, is to seclude ourselves, to insulate and to isolate. We've got ours, so we're good. So we'll hit the eject button on the mission now. Thank you very much. Just wake us up when we get to heaven, and that'll be great. And it's, it's like, think about this. I've got this, this tent that's on the stage. <clears throat> and we think about this. as our Americanized um, Christian culture that we live in. We meet Jesus, our lives get changed, and we begin to form our community around us. And then the interesting thing is, we, we actually make being alive in Jesus a qualification for you to be around us. You, you want to be around my family? Great. Where do you go to church? How many days a week do you go? Right? Do you know all the lyrics to the new Hillsong United album? The newest one. <laughs> do you know the Spanish version of Oceans by Heart? <laughs> Te amo. <laughs> Not there yet? Okay. Well, you've got a small light, but hey, you know, at least it's a start, so come on in. You can come in. Right? What about you? What's your story? Where were you yesterday? Oh, really? On a Saturday night? Mm. How, how late? Oh, that... If, well, interesting. You can't come in here yet if that's where you were on a Saturday night. That's not for you to see in here. You know, you, you got to turn your light on a little bit brighter before you come in here because we're seeing, we're trying to see how bright we can get it in here. And we can't really have your low wattage coming in here. What happened to you? You've been through what? You're addicted to what? Well, you know, you might be able to come in here, but I don't know if you're ready for that just yet. Maybe in a little bit. You know, you, you need to figure some of that out, but it's probably not for today. And then for everybody else, it's like, okay, you've got your light. Come on in. Let's go into the tent. Uh, this is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> Big guy, little tent. <laughs> so, I'm going to try not to hurt myself. We come into this place, 
And we say, come in here, turn on your light. And it's going to be bright in here. Come on in. Let's turn on our lights. Let's, here we are. And I wonder what's wrong with all of those people that are out there. I wonder what our neighbors are going to get it. I, how long do you think it's going to take them to get it? Like we keep, we keep seeing them come in on Saturday night and it's 2 a.m. And we hear them yelling in the room at night. What's wrong with them? Can you see them? I wonder what's wrong with all those people out there. I wonder why it doesn't really feel like Jesus is doing something really significant right now in our city, in Rapid City. What do you, what do you think? What do you think their problem is? I don't think they're interested in the light. I don't think they want it. There's that one guy. He's, he's, he's over there and his light is has kind of been flickering for a while. I knew he's been going on some stuff with his marriage. You know, maybe he'll stumble back into the church one of these days. Then he'll be our guy. God, would you be his rescue? And then we sit in here and we're shining our light and we're singing our songs. I can see the light in the darkness as the darkness bows to him. And we've been singing the last two weeks. Lift my hands and spin around and, and the light that I have found, oh, the marvelous light, the marvelous light, it's Christ in me. <laughs> we sing the song this morning, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And Jesus is saying, if you're following me, you know where I'm going? <laughs> you know where I'm going? I'm going to come out here because there's six million people out here who are still walking in darkness. And they need the light of the world. And that's all great. Gathering in our holy huddles, because I'm in there. I'm in there, trust me, I'm with you all the way. But there's also six and a half million people out here in the world that is never gonna get in there if you don't get out. It's the whole point of the gospel. The world is never going to buy into the message if we say, in order for you to get with Jesus, we'll say it. He comes to you. You don't have to earn his love. He just moves towards you. And it's going to be really hard for them to believe that if every time that they're around us, we make them earn our love. Oh, with Jesus, you don't have to do anything. With Jesus, you just come like you are. It's beautiful. Now, to get in over here though, bro, <laughs> to come into our place of worship, to come into my house, whatever happened on Friday, Friday night or Saturday night, you're going to have to deal with that first. You got to get rid of that if you want to come over here and hang around us. And Jesus is going, no, you're the plan. You're plan A. You're my plan. I could have come up with a billion different plans but I made the plan you, and you, <laughs> and you. <laughs> Not platform Christians, I made the plan, it's us, it's sons and daughters. And you're like, well, what do you do then, Pastor Sean? <laughs> okay, yes, I do this for a living, but my, my job is not to preach. My job, my purpose is not to be professional Christian, and, I, and that's with air quotes there. My job is to get on the work just like you. To shine bright in a dark world, and the outworking of that for me is some of it happens on here. And you're like, well, I work at a computer in a, in a cubicle, and that's where I'm at. I'm in an office. Great. Well, that is your fob to get in the door of your office. You're an evangelist 
who happens to sit at an office desk. Well, I'm a student at the School of Mines. Great. You know what? It's not an accident that you're there. You don't just happen to get there. That is the Holy Spirit assignment that has given you an opportunity after opportunity to be a light wherever you go. For you to be his thread of light, a filament that burns brightly, a filament that is lit up, that is warmed up, that can change the atmosphere of a room wherever it goes. So go and do it. See, we, we all have the same job. We, we find it in our passion and purpose. It just works itself out differently. And so we have to see it that way if we want to see the world change. And I know the argument. I know, I know the rebuttal. I know the feeling of what do I even say? What if I don't know the answer? That's what kept me on the sideline for a really long time. You know, what if I don't know what to say back? Can, can I just relieve the tension in that just a little bit in the room this morning? The world doesn't need you to be perfect. The world just needs you to be bright. And there's, I keep on saying it every week because I want you to understand there's no tension. There's no, it's just plugging into the source. It's just being connected. And to be bright in a dark place, the first thing, you just have to simply be present. You've got to be there. That you just need to be there. They don't need you to be able to explain the divine depths of the Trinity. And if they need that, we'll just call up Bill Boylan and he'll do that for us. <laughs> don't worry about that. What they need is for you to be in their living room when their marriage is on the rocks. And you don't have to have seminary education to be able to do that. You don't have to be able to solve all the theological conundrums in the world. You just have to be there. And it doesn't matter, listen to me, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, what kind of Enneagram number <laughs> that you are, we can all be present. Not all of us are going to be you know, walking the streets. I get that. Some of us aren't wired that way. And some of you are, and you walk in the gifting and the calling and the evangelist. But if that's not how God wired you, that doesn't excuse you from being a light. It'll look a little different. It'll be, you know, one-on-one -on -one coffee shop conversations. Or, you know, it, you know, just being present. You get what I'm saying there? It's, it's not a pressure. The pressure isn't on you. Listen to me. The pressure isn't on you to walk door to door or hand out tracts or walk someone down the Romans road. Some of you do that, and that is amazing. Please keep on shining bright the way that God made you and the way that he's gifted you. But for some of us, shining bright simply means loving those people that he's put in our path. And being present in their lives, being there, learning their names, learning their stories, and being present and carrying the light of Jesus with us wherever we go. You are a carrier of his presence, and you can affect and light up a room just by simply being present. So I can preach messages up here on a platform, and we can sing all of the songs here on Sunday morning, and I know that God can use that to inspire and to light us up. That's what this is. It's sort of like, you know, coming to a plug-in place for an electric car to go out and be re-energized and lit up. But man, you know, what's even more potent for the world are the times that I've sat with people and I've just cried with them. Sometimes not even have anything to say because I don't have an answer for what they're going through. But man, I just want you to know that I am here and I'm not going anywhere. My shoulder is a shoulder for you. I'm right here. That's what it looks like to fight for people in Rapid City. And listen, all the people who are resting their head on your shoulders can't be people who already have the light. 
Because Jesus is on the move. And if he's on the move, I don't know about you, but I want to move with him. And listen, he's moving into your neighborhood. And I believe he's moving in this city. And he's moving into the places where it will be risky for us to go. But man, the reward is worth it. And this is what Paul displayed for all of us. He says, it's going to cost something. It's going to cost something. And that isn't a popular message to preach. (laughs) That it isn't always going to be easy. But at the end of the day, my goal and your goal is not to have a good job and get a good retirement and get that lake house, you know, the right one. And my goal is at the end of my life, which is a vapor, At the end of my life, I'm going to stand before Jesus. And when I do, there's going to be a line behind me. And I want us to be a people who live that kind of life. So for you, right now, how far down in your phone would you have to scroll through your text messages before you got to someone who's not following Jesus? How far back in your calendar would you have to go to get a Paul-inspired day? I've got the right to live my life a certain way. I'm not a slave to anybody. And I don't have to do this. But I'm making myself a servant of all. And I'm going to get in your world. Why? Because I believe I have what you need and I can show you the way to get there with the light that I have. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on, church. We are the plan. You are God's plan A. Rapid City is not going to change unless we light up and unless we carry our light into the city with us. So we don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to be bright. And brightness comes from being connected to the source. Be connected to the source and just be present. Why don't you stand with me? Listen, Jesus was the ultimate display of this message today. Jesus hanging on a cross. He had every right as the Son of God. He had every right as the Son of God to say, I'm done. I'm coming down. (laughs) And all you guys, you done messed with the wrong guy. (laughs) Right? He had every right. But what did he do? He endured. He made himself weak. Why? It says in scripture so that he could do what Paul was talking about, so that he could win some. Who are the some? Every single one of us, every single person who is separated from God. And Jesus knew, I have every right to hit the eject point eject button at any point right here but what's going to make this worth it is me coming down off of this cross and so I'm going to endure the pain to win this son to win my daughter I want that kind of a servant heart I don't want to make my life about me I want to live on purpose and I want to shine bright amen So God, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your word to us. God, we thank you for your purpose for us. God, it's so easy for us to kind of slip into a comfortable, (laughs) a comfortable light. Let's sit around, let's bask in the light of the language we were using last week. It's so easy for us to get our church tan. 
God, it's not about getting a tan in the light. It's, for, it's about carrying the light. And so God, we know that this isn't a pressure. This is just our pleasure. That we get to walk out of here carrying the light of the world that you've given us. God, and this is a filling up station, Lord. This is a recharge center. Not just for our benefit, God, that, but as we go, we would shine bright in a darkened world. And so God, help us to see that. Help us to grab hold of that. Help us to take our light and shine it outside of the safe places and the comfortable places and to endure the risk. Lord, open the doors that only you can open. God, give us the boldness to do what you've asked us to do. God, no matter what gifting and what personality is in the room this morning, God, you've called us and chosen us to be the light of the world. So we go out this morning as sent ones. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning with nobody looking around, we want to invite you into a relationship with this Jesus that we're talking about. That's the light of the world. And there's a lot of grace in this place today. There is a lot of grace. So no matter what background you're coming from, no matter where you're at in a place of the struggle, no matter where you're at, you might feel like there's, you're in the deepest, darkest cave and you haven't seen any kind of light that we're talking about for a while. This is your morning. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's faithful. And he wants to be your rescue this morning. If that's you, if you want to make a decision for the first time or even a resurrender this morning with nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, just me looking. I want to see your hand this morning. I want to agree with you and pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Let's pray this together. Father God, I give you my life. All that I am is yours. I surrender. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your purpose. God, I step into the newness of life that you have given me. My purpose is in you. My freedom is in you. My rescue is in you. Be the light of my world. And send me out this morning to be a light to the world. You're lighting up my life. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate this morning. Thank you, Jesus.